John 1, a book written to convince us to believe. And if we do believe, it is a book written to strengthen our faith, make us stronger in our faith. He's about to go into detail about John the Baptist. And uh, he's the first of seven witnesses that he's going to introduce us to. Uh, We're going to be at verse 15. And we're going to find John the Baptist doing what John the disciple wants him to be doing. And that's witnessing. So verse 15. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. John is bearing witness. He's out testifying about the coming Savior. And it says there he's crying. And that's not what we think of crying. Uh, we're, we're watching the boys this weekend. I've heard some crying. And uh, <laughs> just on the way here, we stopped the dollar store. They went inside and they're like, ah, like she'll be back, she'll be back. And you know, calm them down. But no, this means crying with a loud voice. Well, Cash does that. And, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a loud voice just to proclaim, you know, that he's out in the open and he's saying it out loud. He's saying it clear. My wife has often teased me, said that uh, I am uh, born for the age of microphones. I don't have a very booming, uh, proclaiming voice. And so, but uh, all these preachers would, they'd proclaim and they'd be able to get it. And I picture John as having a big, booming voice. And so, uh, and he's saying that someone's coming after him in the public. Someone's going to come out in the public after him. And he said, he's preferred above me. And John was a unique individual. He was there to get people's attention because there's been 400 years of silence. And so now he is on the scene and as a prophet. And so he is drawing attention, drawing it in. He says, but there's going to be one more important that's bigger than me because he was before me, he says. So John's told us that Jesus is the word, John the disciple. And the word was there before the beginning. That's how he starts out this book. And now John... The Baptist is testifying to those same things. Look at verse 16. And of his fullness have all we received in grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. He brings up the point that Moses gave us the law. All the Jews would have known that. They'd have known about the law, that's you know, their culture, that's raised around it. We even talk about America being founded upon the Judeo-Christian ethics, you know, the, the Judeo-Christian law. You know, it's founded on the Bible and the Bible principles. So Moses gave us that law, but all it does was condemn us. It never saved us. It never rescued us. It played out pictures. It had ceremonies. It had things that show us that we were in want of a Savior because we cannot fulfill the law. It can't save us. Man can't keep it. Matter of fact, Paul, as he was proclaiming, he says the law was my schoolmaster to teach me that I needed a Savior. All it did was his teaching that he kept falling short. I lie. I steal. I lust. I do all these things. I covet. He says all it does is it just showed me the law was a teacher to show me that I needed a Savior. And that's why we try to use the law around here, to let it be the schoolmaster to show us that we need a Savior. Jesus, on the other hand, brings us grace and truth. Jesus brings a way to forgive us. Grace, you know. God's riches at Christ's expense, we always say. It's that unmerited favor. Jesus comes to set the record straight, to tell us the truth, to tell us the true way, and that it is Him, by repenting of your sins and trusting in Jesus Christ. Jesus is going to tell us about the Father. He's going to tell us about Him. He's the one who's going to declare the Father to us. Verse 18 says, No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. So John is declaring Jesus, and Jesus is declaring the Father. And so this is kind of these few verses right here at the outset 
John the Baptist, there's too many Johns here in one place. That's how you know the Bible is real. We'd have made sure that they all had different names so you didn't get confused. And I really do think that's one of the ways. You wouldn't have had two Johns here talking. But here we have John the Disciple telling us a brief summary of John the Baptist's message. Now we're going to get into an encounter. He's going to give us an encounter with him. Verse 19. He says, uh, And this is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him who thou art. He doesn't start with John's birth, you know, and the whole announcement and the things that happened in the temple. Luke covers that, you know, so, so we have that there. He starts with an encounter with an investigative team, and I find that interesting. Well, John's been speaking for a while. He's not very close to Jerusalem. It's a journey, you know, to get out to see where he is. But news has traveled, and so the, the people are talking about him. This, who's this one in the wilderness? Who's the one proclaiming these things? He's dressed funny, you know, he's eating funny things. He, he's saying proclaimed things. He's bold. He's not afraid of those in charge. You know, he's saying bold things. And so they're like, we got to inquire about this. And so the Levites and the priests, you know, they get together an investigative team, and they send them out to question him. Who are you? You know, what's going on? I mean, that would be your first question, right? And we find that that is their first question. Verse 19, and this was the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who art thou? Or who are you? You know, like I said, there's been 400 silent years. 400 silent years where, where, where no prophet has showed up. Where the people I'm sure are like, has God gone silent? When's he going to show up again? Now, we do know that there's the timing. You know, we have the benefit of uh, hindsight. It's 2020, and so was last year. <laughs> it is 2020. But, uh, <laughs> but now here you have, you know, we have the hindsight of knowing that uh, Daniel chapter 9 tells us you know, how long, you know, and we can figure the math, and we can do all those things. And some of them were too. But now you have this bold preacher who's drawing a crowd. You know, something unusual. It's not, it's not one of the Levites. It's not one of the priests. It's not one of the Pharisees or the rabbis in town. It's a guy who's out on his own. You know, and I'm sure they're like, what school are you with? Or where did you go to college? And what's your credentials? And, you know, they're wanting to know all those things. He's sent by God. And I'd say, you know, it's an unusual thing because the crowds are going out there and they're traveling a long ways to here. And I'll tell you, preachers aren't known for drawing a crowd. <laughs> People usually avoid us. You know, it's like, oh, preacher, yeah, see you. And so, no, so they're coming out there because there's something interesting being said. There's answers. It's like Brady's asking First, to pray for that. Young people coming up in, in Izmir and in Turkey that want answers. You know, they're seeking out to find the truth. These were the same. He's proclaiming the truth. He's proclaiming it in a bold and different way. John's bringing him in. He's bringing in the crowd. So they're asking, who is this guy? Let's go find out who he is. And so they send this quiz team out, probably some of their best men, to test him, to ask him, who are you? Verse 20. And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. He knows what they're asking. He knows what they've got to be thinking. Are you the Messiah? You know, we're waiting for the Messiah to come. And you're out here preaching a bold, proclaiming message, and people are becoming followers of yours. You're baptizing them. You're doing this thing where, where people are setting aside their old life and, and being identified with you through baptism. And like, are you the Messiah? Because we're awaiting the Messiah. And John's like, well, let me just stop you right there. I'm not the Messiah. He could have, you know, built himself up a little bit, but he didn't. And he's really kind of got some terse answers here. No. <laughs> he didn't go to a big, long explanation about anything. He says, no, I am not the Christ. I am not the Messiah. Verse 20, and he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. But these people are priests. They're Levites. They're of the priestly tribe. 
They know their Bible. They know their Old Testament. And they were expecting the Messiah. And they knew some of the timing about the Messiah, what God had promised about those first times events. We're in the end times. Those, we'll call this the first time. First time events, his first advent. And so they ask him again, you know, like, oh, we've got a, we've got a follow-up question. If you're not him, you must be somebody else because they were expecting somebody else. And who else could that be? It would be Elijah. Because the Old Testament ends with the promise that God would send Elijah, that he would come, this prophet, Elijah, and that he would wake the people up, you know, stir them, get them out of their stupor, out of their normal day-to-day, and he began to preach and proclaim like the prophets of old, like Elijah, you know, the one who stood against Baal, you know, did all those fantastic things. And then he's going to stir people up in their family, try to get families back, the hearts of the father and the children all back together, wake them up to get them right. Before Messiah comes, he is there to stir them, to get them thinking, to get them searching the scripture, to get their minds thinking about these things. And so he's coming to do all that, to proclaim this message. And so John's acting and speaking like they would expect a prophet to act, especially this prophet to act. And so in verse 21, and they ask him, what then? Are thou Elias or Elijah? So that's the logical next question. If you're not Messiah, maybe you're the forerunner to the Messiah. Are you him? And he saith, I am not. And so then they get a third one. Are you that prophet? And he answers, no, that prophet. All right, so he's not Elijah. He, he tells him that. And so option... Number three there is that prophet, and that's Deuteronomy 18.18, where Moses, being told by God, says that there would rise up a prophet, with a capital P, from among the Jewish brethren, from among his own. And he's going to put, God's going to put his words into his mouth, and he's going to speak in a bold and proclaiming way. He's going to give him the very words, he's going to deliver the words that I command him to speak. He's going to be a prophet of God who proclaims these things, and so they were anticipating this prophet that Moses talked about too. Now, this prophet or the prophet is Messiah as well. And they were just asking to clarify. And uh, Jesus will confirm that he is that prophet later by saying that he fulfills the things that he was supposed to do, but we'll get that in chapter 14. Uh, and so he does confirm that Jesus Christ is that prophet, but John's not that prophet. And so he's not Christ, he's not Elijah. He's not that prophet. So they're standing there scratching their head. Who are you? <laughs> Who are you? What's going on? Verse 22. Then they said unto him, Who art thou? That we may go give an answer to them that sent us. And what thou sayest of thyself. I do appreciate that they went straight to the source. They didn't just come up with their own conclusion or just ask everybody else what they think or what they thought. They went right to John and said, Who are you? you know, give us some answers for yourself. And so... But they're also kind of like pushing him, like, like uh, hurry up. You know, we've got no time to waste. You know, uh, who can you be? We've got to go tell our bosses uh, who you are. Verse 23. And he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. Hmm. I'm the voice. Jesus is the word, right? John's been telling us that. All through chapter 1, and he's the Word made flesh. And John says, I'm not the Word. I'm the voice. I'm the voice that's out in the countryside, yelling, proclaiming, crying out. Make straight, or get right. The Messiah's coming. You know, take that crooked, the, making the crooked path straight. You know, making the highway in the desert, say Isaiah prophecy. He's like, no, 
You need to get straight. You need to get right. Messiah is coming. This really struck me. Because that's us today. Isn't it? We're to be voices. We're to be voices in the wilderness. We're to be voices in Trafalgar. We're to be the voices in Franklin or Bargersville or Greenwood or wherever we are. Turkey. We're to be the voices that are calling out. Saying, you got to get right. You got to get right. Christ is coming. Messiah is coming. You better be prepared to meet him. If you're waiting until you see him come riding in the crowd, it's too late. It's too late. Today's the day of salvation. Now is the time. You don't wait until you see all these things. And how many people have said that? Well, once I start seeing these things, and then they won't see it then either. I'll have some way to excuse it away, or they won't believe it. Well, today is the day. You and I are to be these voices. Get ready, Messiah is coming. Isaiah 40 verse 3 says, prepare or get ready. The Lord's coming. Straighten up. You know, make the the crooked path straight. So is Messiah coming? Do we see that? I mean, obviously for John, he is the forerunner, and Jesus will tell us later that if they would have believed, he would have been Elijah. They didn't. And so that means one like Elijah is coming again. And we study that in the book of Revelation where we have the two witnesses, and we think one of them's at least in the spirit of Elijah, if not Elijah. Do we see Messiah coming? Do we see things? Are we so, I guess... Uh, the frog in the pot, you know, that's, uh, they're turning up the heat and, and we've just been boiling with it that we don't see it. We're just like, that's normal. That's just how things are. It's always been that way. We don't want to be the Second Peter crowd. It's like, it's been that way since my grandfather and my grandfather's grandfather. They said these days are approaching. This is no different. It is different. And I remind myself each and every time because I'll, I'll question myself. You know, is this the days? Are, this, are these the times? And I'm like, well, Israel's back in the land. That wasn't there before. Israel's on the main page. We've had a lot of peace agreements this last year, especially, that didn't get much play in the press because, you know, they want to make Orange Man look good. And so they they wouldn't talk about any of those things. And so talk about something else. Here in the last days, what are some of the other things they talk about? Are there wars or rumors of war? There's at least 250,000 Chinese soldiers on our northern and southern borders in Canada and in Mexico. And then you have strange behavior in Washington, D.C., where you have some reports I was seeing this morning that it's grown to 30,000 troops. That's more than we have in Afghanistan. 30,000 troops with seven-foot-tall fences quarantining around our nation's capital with Constantina wire on the top with 174th attack wing. That's for drones, to deploy drones that, that are stationed there. And the 177th fighter wing That's for F-16 fighter jets from air-to-air combat that have been brought in and stationed in Washington, D.C. I don't think that's for a militia guy rolling up out of Tennessee. I don't think too many militia people have F-16s, you know, to make sure that this is a peaceful inauguration. They have 2.5 million rounds of 5.56 ammo that have been brought in and stationed into Washington, D.C., right now, this week, with 500,000 rounds of 50 caliber. That's a big old bullet. If you haven't ever seen a 50 caliber, that's a big old gun. That'll put a hole in you. And they also have some anti-rocket battalions that are stationed there, too. For an inauguration? I don't think so. Wars and rumors of war? Yeah, they abound when you do stuff like that. 
When you hear about other divisions that are placed in Tennessee that are there as anti-rocket divisions to shoot something that's flying across the country. Who's launching rockets across their country? You know, what's our mainstream media talking about? Football? Who's on The Voice? You know, something, something stupid. You know, it's like when we have a country that is being... Uh, surrounded, and we're not going to talk about anything, and this is normal behavior. Oh, we always send in. The Department of Defense has been uh, speaking to each and every governor, asking for more National Guard to be brought in. This isn't enough. Why? What are they expecting? Why are they not telling us? And then you add on top of that earthquakes. I was trying to read my headlines the other day, an earthquake a warning's going off. Izmir, you know, Brady was in one. I remember contacting that day. It looked bad. I'm glad to hear that we had safety there. Meteors, space weather. I mean, if, if you've never been to like the official government sites on like teaching kids weather and stuff, space weather is a category. That was not a category when I was a kid. <laughs> it's like it was sunny, rainy, hail. And it's, it's like you didn't have, oh, and it's raining rocks from the sky. And so, but we have this countless times. I don't know. It's, it comes up on my news feeds all the time. These big meteors that are shooting down a pandemic, unless we forget we're in the middle of that, you know, they make sure they remind us all the time. Maybe you'd really think it was maybe these last days if there was, like, really encouraging us not to use cash anymore, you know, because, oh, wait a minute, I see that sign about every place I go. Don't use cash. Give us exact change. You know, round it all up. Make sure you have this. Make sure you have that. Hmm. It would be also kind of strange if they pushed something that everyone had to have so you could be allowed to travel or allowed in stores or if you're going to have a job, if you're mandated you have no control over your health. It's mandated. Everyone, uh, we have these rules in healthcare called HIPAA where no one can know about your health. Oh, unless it's about a vaccine. It's strange that we'd have the time with that. Is this the mark of the beast? No. Is it making the way? Uh, maybe. Because it'd also be strange if they were developing this passport, you know, a digital passport that you had to show that uh, you've had all your correct shots because they're going to, you know, it's never going to be one. There's one with the booster and one with the booster's booster, the booster that comes to that, that follows after this, you know, and it's new technology that's never been used before. I, I read you the articles in the summer where they were saying uh, none of this MNRA stuff would even be used with the COVID virus because it's so many years out from trials and here we are injecting it everywhere. So a digital vaccine passport is ready. Or you can't travel, or you can't go anywhere, or you have to stay home, or you can't shop here, or you can't have your job, or you can't have this and that. That'd be weird. Be, no one the Bible said anything about that. <laughs> the Bible does say stuff about that. And it's been saying it for a long time, and keep an eye open, but do we see it for what it is here and now? Uh, these are wrestling questions that we have. Another new one came up this last week, and that's bizarre, and it's, one, it's a Bible verse that, uh, a lot of us wondered about for a long time. I thought, what's he mean? Is it just perception? Uh, or, or is it something that's really happened? There's something I take note of. About every other year or so, they add a second to our clock because of entropy. You know, the, we've got a lot of water on this planet, you know, and the earth's spinning around and it's starting to slow down, you know, starting to wind down, I think, since the fall. And so they, they have to add a, a leap second, you know, to the clock every once in a while at the New Year's Eve, you know, and they make a big deal. To the atomic clock, you know, they added a leap second to make sure things are still working out. Until last year. And last year we recorded some of the fastest days ever on record. We had days that were less than 24 hours. You probably remember those days, right? You're like, what? Bedtime already? We had uh, one, two, no, 28. 28 days that were less than 24 hours. And now as scientists look at it, they're saying, you know what? We think 2021 is on the path to have even more less than 24-hour days. It makes me think of that verse when Jesus says, 
and those days will be shortened for the elect's sake. Unless these things drag out pretty much, you know. Huh, that's a weird story to have make headlines that come across my news feed and my email that morning. And so, is it one of those things that should be like, should I add this to the stack of other things or just say, ah, what a coincidence, you know. Uh, that's the way it's always been. That was that way with my grandpa's day back when they had tuberculosis or they were fighting polio. No, it wasn't. Israel wasn't in the land. <laughs> and we did have all these other things that were going on. And so we are in a unique day. And we're seeing these things coming. And it makes me wonder how long, how short is our time? I think our voices better get crying. I think our message better get clear because Messiah is coming. And he's coming. And people keep talking about the new normal. Or, Yay, we went through 2020. We can forget about it. And we're in 2021, back to normal. I think we're already kind of saying, come back 2020. I wish it was just short on toilet paper. <laughs> and then some mild inconveniences versus soldiers being moved everywhere and stocking up. And I would rather have the sniffles than lead flying. So we better be crying out the message of John the Baptist. You need to get right. You need to set things straight. I don't know about you, but I've had lost people ask me and talk to me about it. Have you? Like, hey, this seems kind of like some end time stuff here. You know, what's the Bible say about things at the end? Or, you know, I've never read the Bible, but I think I want to start. I've heard that. I need to start reading these things. What, what does the Bible say? I know, I know that my grandma said something about these things, and we see this coming. Where is it? So, yeah, we're to be the witnesses. We're to be the ones proclaiming. We're to be the ones telling. So, what's that? Make your way straight. So, do we have to tell them to, you know, hey, you know, get straightened up to do good works? Is that what he's saying? You need to prepare yourself. You need to straighten up. You need to do the good and right thing. You know, because if you live in a good, right way, you know, and Help old ladies across the street and do all those things. And then, you know, as long as your good works outweigh your bad, then you have salvation. No. You can't clean up your life. You can't do it yourself. You can't pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. You know, I, you can't. I've tried. <laughs> so, I remember Dad tells about that and we tried it. I remember him talking about isometrics. Sit in that chair and pick yourself up. Didn't work. <laughs> so if I would have, I'd be hopping around here today, but I can't. No, we can't. We can't clean ourselves up. We can't straighten up our lives. We need someone to help us. And that makes me think of Psalm 2. Psalm 2 comes up in Elaine and I's conversation pretty regular. Psalm 2 is talking about the leaders of the world. They're shaking their fists at God. They want to cut his band asunder. They want to be done with him. They want to cut off. They, they want to attack him, be done with him. They want to be their own gods. And it says the God in heaven laughs. But at the end it tells you, kiss the son lest he be angry with you. You need to get things right with Jesus. I've even heard that expression come up a lot lately from people who aren't Christians. Is this a come to Jesus moment? Yeah, it probably is. It's a time for you to come to him and get right with him. Kiss the son lest he be angry with you because when Jesus Christ comes back the second time, he's not as the humble servant. He's coming as the conquering Lord, as the, the king who is establishing his kingdom, who is doing away with the enemy, who have made it clear and obvious by selecting a mark that they worship the man who comes up with this plan. That's who I'm watching out for Who's the one that's going to be the, the big uniter in all this? Who's the one who's going to come and have an answer that brings all these things together? I mean, because world governments are falling. 
Uh, we have Italy that's on the verge of collapse. If it's not, we have Netherlands. I think all their government walked off the job yesterday. They're like, oh, we're all too corrupt. We've been caught. We're just quitting. Uh, I think Germany is about ready. I think Merkel's supposed to, uh, to step down and, and turn things over. And so we have a lot of other places that are unrest all at once. It's weird. Or is it biblical? And so, yeah, we have these things that are going on. So, yeah, kiss the sun lest he be angry. You need to get right with Jesus. You need to get right with him. You need to see yourself as a sinner. That's what the law does. The law shows you that you are a sinner, that you fall short because you've not put God first. You've not always remembered the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You've not always obeyed your mother and father. You've lied. We've stolen. We've lusted. We've broken all ten of the Ten Commandments. Then we need to repent of those sins and trust in the finished work of Jesus. Repent means we, we turn our back. And then turn towards Jesus. So we repent and we trust in him. We need to trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ, the cross. Jesus Christ is the one who saves you. Jesus Christ is the one who's redeemed us. Jesus Christ is the one who has paid the fine, who's done all the work for us. So we repent and trust in him. It is encouraging that the Muslims are concerned about Brady's soul. Because my son Joel said, he goes, you know, I've never been handed a track. I've never been witnessed to by another Christian. To know that the Muslims are concerned, shouldn't we be more concerned? We have the truth, right? That's why Brady's going to name his church Good News. Here's the good news you were talking about. I think that's an excellent sign to put up. Come here for good news. We'll tell you the good news. That your sins can be forgiven. That you can be right with God the Father through the work of Jesus Christ, his son. So we should be like John. We should be declaring we should be the voice. We should be the voice while we can be the voice. Because three weeks ago, it was easy to be a voice and have all kinds of different ways to proclaim the gospel. And then they started taking down things that they didn't like that conservatives were using for any kind of thing. Oh, you're not going to use Twitter? You're going to go to a competitor? We're going to remove all the competitors so you can be here where we can police you and we can keep you in line. We're going to ban these hashtags that you cannot use and you can't say. It's to the point where it's not only conservatives anymore. I mean, think about it. We have a sitting president that they took away any way for him to communicate. They took away not only Twitter, that was his favorite, but also his YouTube channel. They've taken away his Instagram. They've taken away his right to email. He can't communicate. They've taken away his bank accounts. He can't have PayPal and he owns hotels and golf course. And they banned all that. That sounds like acts of war. But uh, that's moved on from him on down to a lot of other people, any like-minded individual conservatives uh, that think of anything, to the point where even this past week, a sermon that David sent me from J.D. Farage, which was uh, very, very good on uh, talking about the vaccine. It was one that I'm glad when I listened to it the first time, I did a lot of screenshots of it because I want to go back the second time and it's gone. That's just a Bible guy preaching and teaching that is now no longer allowed on YouTube because it violates their terms and policies of not conforming with the rest of the world. But we're not to conform with the rest of the world. We're to be transforming the world. We're to be different. We are in the world and not of it. We're to proclaim the message. We're to be the strange guy in the wilderness that is shouting with a loud voice. He's coming. Messiah is coming. You need to make your crooked ways straight. You need to be prepared for him. Your hearts need to be turned and get ready for him. So yes, he's still out there. Or Jesus is coming and we need to be out there. John is out there preaching. He is being the voice and we are proclaiming the word. No, works can't save us. 
Jesus Christ can save us. And we're to proclaim Him. We're to be the watchman on the wall. Now the watchman on the wall, I take comfort in that. Because the watchman on the wall, he says, when you see danger coming, you're to proclaim it. If anybody listens or not, that's not on you. You're just to tell it. If no one changes, if no one sees it, and they're all like, yeah, whatever, you're just crying wolf. God says, it's on them. I will not hold you accountable. You did what I've asked you to do. But if we see danger coming and we don't say anything and the lost go plunging into death, that's on us. Because we saw danger, we knew it was coming, and we didn't say anything. God says, now I hold you accountable. They try to use fear tactics as in, oh, they're going to say you're a conspiracy theorist. They're going to say you're not. They're going to say you're seeing these things. They're going to tell you that this is the way history's always been. Don't say anything. Hey, they're going to say there's just so few of you. You can't communicate to know how many other you there might be. So as long as we keep seeming like you're small and separated and not with any other group, that's why they try to keep us from gathering together. That's why they try to keep us from being here together. And so we just need to make sure that we do what Christ says, not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the matter of some is, but even more so as we see the day approaching, we will consistently be here. We said it last week, I'll say it again this week. If anything happens to where it's like, we don't know or we can't communicate to know, I'll come here and preach <laughs> on, on Sundays at 10.30 and on Wednesdays at 6.30. If anything changes after that, we will get word out to each and every one of you somehow, some way. We need to see the times around us. We need to look and see and know that, one, the lost are looking. So we need to be that voice. When they come to investigate, that we have the answers for the reason of the hope that lies within us. At least you could share your testimony. Well, I trust in Jesus Christ. That's why I don't have fear as others do. The Bible has warned us about these things. It also warns us that there's a judgment coming, and so you need to repent of your sins and trust in Jesus Christ. Whether this is the time or not, the message is the same. He is coming. You need to repent and trust in him, and we're to point towards that. And I pray that you're faithful in doing so. So we've got some tracks out there, other ways that we can do it. I appreciate uh, those of you who have contacted me that's had um, new inspirations and new ideas in getting the gospel out. I appreciate that, and I encourage you in doing those. And anything else new as well, we could do it. One of the ways we do it is we support our missionaries to go and take it, and we get an encouragement from them, and we get to encourage them as they're out there on the front lines. And then, let alone any other thing that we can think of, we probably are investigating. I meant to look this week, but I've been kind of swamped. But uh, where else we could put to live stream in case we're not allowed to anymore there. We'll use it as long as we can, but we're going to look at some alternatives too that we can make sure that we can uh, keep things going in that way because that's been a good, useful part of what's been going on this last year. And so we're looking for those. So pray for those. If you know of anything, I know that uh, Sermon Audio, we have uh, video options. I just don't know about live streaming options. And so I'll be investigating that along with other things too. So we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll make sure that we can keep it going. If not, open your house for Bible study and talking this way and call and communicate and still do that and, and do things this way or that way. So uh, some of the unique things I remember when we first got here that Tim and Angel did was the underground church. and It was very impactful. We set a place in Franklin and uh, we, we all came in. We parked someplace a little bit different and walked in and, and we came in. And it was this candlelight and sat down in this business and we, we sang our hymns and, and quoted our scriptures and just to remind us what the persecuted church is like and <laughs> might have been a little, little uh, rehearsal for us to, to know what the persecuted church might be like, but uh, we will gather, memorize scripture, let's hide it in our heart, and let's be prepared, uh, and let's not be afraid, because we know who wins. Jesus Christ wins, and we're to proclaim him and preach the good news of the gospel of Christ until we're taken out of here. 
And I think that's soon. And so let's be on guard and ready for that.